It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I hope you're all out there um, staying safe and staying well. Um, I know this is a real challenge for you guys, um, but podcasts are the perfect thing to listen to when you're housebound. Um, you know, it gets old. I know with Netflix, I've watched everything I've been interested in <laughs> and um, every series, and I'm pretty pretty bored already with that. So I don't get bored usually because my work um, keeps me interested. But um, I hope you're all finding ways to stay home and be happy and be peaceful and meditate and things like that during this time. Have you ever struggled to attract the person you wanted in the past? Have you ever wondered why some relationships that you thought were perfect didn't work out? Have you been struggling to find love in your life? If so, this is the perfect opportunity for you to begin again with a fresh start. Arno Gorin was raised by two deaf crack addicts and left for dead at 22. He is today's special guest, a relationship expert, and he is here to reveal his secrets for attracting a divine love that have allowed his program to work successfully for thousands of people when others haven't. If you are no long, not longing, if you are not looking for the one or a soulmate, Arno will share some of the universal principles of creating anything you desire in life and the reasons why vision boards visualization, the law of attraction, positive thinking, willpower, and other methods don't always work. Um, he lives in Southern California, and he has cracked the code of the human mind and invented the seven steps to reprogramming yourself. And he's going to tell us more about what he does and how he can help you. Um, so let's get started, and I'll bring him on. Good morning, Arno. Welcome to the show. So what are we, what do most people do when they're looking for a relationship? And um, why would that not be optimal, optimal in, um, in what they're, you know, in their goal? Well, most people either write a list or they don't do anything but just start looking for someone. And in either case, they may be missing out on many, many other pieces that they need to clarify for themselves. We need clarity. We need to be very clear on what we're looking for. And if we have zero clarity at all, which is very common in all the different aspects of what we want in a relationship, then it's hard for us to recognize it when we find it. And if all we have is a list of qualities in the other person, we might be missing out on some of the other crucial pieces, like what we want the relationship to be like, what we want the experience of the relationship to be like. Um, how we want to get along, what the rules are of the relationship, which we also call the context. And there's so many other aspects that are often forgotten or left out, even by relationship coaches. What is a soulmate? Um, I know there are many 
definitions of a soulmate. Some say that it is um, a pact we make in the spiritual world as souls, um, people we've gone through many lives with. Um, some just think it's the perfect person who completes them. So how do you define a soulmate? That is a great question that I literally spent decades pondering and reading about and trying to compel the universe to give me the answer. What is a soulmate? Is there such a thing as the one is a big part of what I was wondering. And I think everyone has their own definition. And it's really important to be clear on what that is. To me, a soulmate is someone that you feel uh, an instant connection to or like you've known them forever. You have that feeling like... They've always been part of your world, even though you just met them, and that you've perhaps known them in some other way, some spiritual way for a long time, and you feel divinely um, in sync with them somehow. I have some some friends that the moment I met them, I just knew, like, like I've known them forever. And, of course, we became instant best friends, and we've been brothers ever since. And we're not, you know, uh, anything romantic. We're just friends as guys, of course, but it still felt like there was this, soul connection and so i would call that a soulmate whereas a lot of times we think of the soulmate being the one the person that is going to complete us our our romantic partner you know the the girl or boy of our dreams and we can call a soulmate that but i think it helps to separate out the definitions of someone that we feel divinely connected to and someone that is a predestined person to be with forever because if you have a soulmate that if we define it as someone that you've known for many, many, many experiences and just feel connected to them, then you can have many soulmates versus having just one and only one, which can lead us down a trap of waiting for that one to show up who never shows up. That's really, really a good explanation, and that's true. Um, And not all of our relationships are meant to be forever, right? Sometimes... Um, sometimes they can be the perfect relationship for a certain amount of time. How do you feel about that? I think that's absolutely true. And one of the causes of our pain is that we create these expectations about how relationships are supposed to be, how they're supposed to go, and we put these expectations on other people without telling them. And then when it doesn't live up to our expectations, we blame them and get mad at them and get upset and feel uh, that we've failed in relationships. And if we can change from creating these lifelong expectations and think that a relationship's only successful if it lasts forever to maybe a different idea, say that a relationship is meant to show us who we are and allow us to grow into the person that we dream that we can be. And yes, sometimes they do last forever. Sometimes they last for 20 years. And if we can enjoy them without attachment, we're going to be much more successful moment to moment having an amazing experience than if we create an attachment of how it's supposed to go. Mm. Well said. Um, That clears up a lot. And, you know, well, I work with a lot of people who, have been in narcissistic relationships, uh, romantic relationships, and they're very, very difficult, Um, very difficult relationships, and they come out very scarred as a result of it. But but they do learn. They do learn. Um, And if they don't learn the first time, they're going to get into another one (laughs) like that and learn and have to learn. At some point... um, they'll be brought to their knees and they'll have to say, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to get out of this? 
So, um, you know, unfortunately, some of us come through um, these learning experiences. Um, some of them are pretty, pretty hard. But I want to talk about the ones that, you know, that feel great. Um, and so what is the first thing that we must do when we're looking for the love of our life? Uh what a great question. And, you know, if someone does face those hardships, hopefully they'll learn the lesson that there's something inside of them that needs to be healed and released so they don't attract that experience again. And when we're ready to create something beautiful, like you said, what's the first thing? Well, we need to become clear about what we want. And I have a, I have an experience that really changed me, which was I constantly wrote out from my mind what I wanted and then attracted that person. Exactly. I'd always get exactly what I asked for. And what changed me was listening to a program by Kevin Trudeau where he said that you don't have to know all the details of what you're creating. You could actually let the universe fill in the blanks. And then something else struck me. Wait a minute. If the universe can fill in the blanks with something better than I could even think of, why don't I just let the universe create the entire thing? So then I would just ask the universe, or you can call it whatever you want, the great spirit, the great divine, tell me what I should create in my love life. And in my courses, I train the audience to, we call it download, what the universe would recommend for you, what the universe would divinely create for you in your love life. And it's interesting because sometimes it's not even to create a new person. It's to work on yourself sometimes. And in my experience, you can end up writing a description of someone that is so much better than you would have thought of yourself. And when I started doing that, it completely shifted the way that I would attract a soulmate because it went beyond my own mind to something much more divine. And I think that's where you start. It's just getting clear on what it is that you're going to focus your mind on manifesting or creating. Now, when we talk about a relationship um, and you know, I don't like to use the words expectations because that always leads us down um, a pretty, you know, shaky path. But um, relationships don't have to mean, uh, your soulmate relationship doesn't have to mean that it's all wine and roses all the time, right? So if you're in a relationship with someone, with this perfect someone, um is it always easy to recognize that when you're actually working on things together and it's not always perfect? <laughs> what a great question, because most of us are in a relationship where the other person's real main purpose as a soul is to mirror to us the greatest pains that we have. Uh, when I was teaching a course in relationships, it's a two-day course I do on, on relationships, one of the students came up and shared that there was a study done on lifelong partners, and they found that the main attraction or the main reason why they ended up together is because they matched at their deepest wound, meaning whatever their biggest emotional pain is, that was the magnet inside of them that attracted someone else with a matching magnet or a matching emotional pain. And so they spend their lives mirroring to each other their pain. And then they'll say, oh, relationships are hard, because <laughs> they are hard to them. <laughs> they and, are hard. Right? 
they are going to be hard if, if your relationship is about mirroring to you the things to work on, especially if you don't erase those things. And most people have no idea how to permanently erase those issues. And so that's what they do. They just keep replaying those patterns over and over and over. So, yeah, it's going to feel very hard. But if you do erase all those patterns, then what you're left with is the experience of it being harmonious, peaceful, happy, romantic, most of what you've always dreamed it could be, but in a very easy way. And that's what we want to evolve to eventually. So what you're saying is that um, we should do our work and heal ourselves so that we attract someone that is peaceful and um, and easy and wonderful and those kind of things. If we don't do our inner work, then we're going to attract the same kind of pain and have these difficult relationships. But can these difficult relationships be soul soulmate relationships? Absolutely. If we define a soulmate as being someone that we feel deeply connected to and maybe we felt like we've known them forever and they're just meant to be in our life, well, of course these difficult relationships can be soulmate relationships. The problem is that they're not always that happy and then we're conflicted in our mind thinking, should I stay? Should I go? Is this person the right person for me? Because we're always arguing or whatever is going on that is hurting. And that's where we have to look inside and say, what is there inside of me that's attracting this experience? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I know for me, I changed my pattern of, of what I wanted um, very, very deliberately because I was in mm-hmm. a pattern of attracting painful relationships. And I made a decision to do everything differently. And it scared me to death (laughs) to look for somebody that was normal and nice because I was so used to drama. Um, Mm. But I made a determination to, um, to look for someone that was whole, you know, complete, not saddled with baggage and drama. Um, And I did find that person. So Mm. I guess that was my, what I put out there in the universe. Um, and it, it amazed me that somebody so nice and normal could be fun as well. So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's how, that was my uh, lesson in relationships. Um, you were raised by two deaf crack addicts and you were left for dead at 22. Uh, so your life started off pretty rough and what was it that came to you, you found, whatever, whatever it was that pulled you out of this and put you in this life of helping others and, and you know, learning how to teach others to reprogram themselves? Well, during the childhood that I called growing up in hell, there was always a knowingness, just a little tiny knowingness deep inside of me that it wasn't always going to be that way and that someday I'd be an adult and I'd be free to create the life that I dreamed of and that there would be some good that would come out of growing up that way and that I was meant to do something important in life and I should hold on to that and so I did and then when I was 22 I was very sick and I'd I'd been getting sicker and sicker and sicker and every doctor I went to said I would never get better and when I did finally fix my body through my own research, I wanted to share that with other people. And as I began to 
design my training programs, I saw that I had to heal my mind too, that there was no way that I would survive, that I would ever be able to live a normal, healthy life unless I removed the mountain of emotional pain that I had accumulated throughout my childhood. And when I looked out into the world for a way to do that, the world said, there is no way to do that. Everyone knows you can't get rid of your emotional pain permanently. And I said, well, that's not an acceptable answer. And I just kept looking and researching and researching and praying and praying until I finally figured out how to do it. And I couldn't just sit on it. <laughs> it was like the discovery of a lifetime. So I started telling my friends, and eventually I incorporated it into my training program. And then it became the centerpiece of my training program because I found out that no one has ever figured out how to go into the unconscious mind and take out the old pain and negative thoughts that keep recurring. No one has ever been able to say that they can tell you how to think about something that happened that hurts and then erase the hurt and think about what happened and not feel pain anymore. I didn't realize what a big discovery it was until time went on and I taught and taught and taught thousands of people, but here we are. So, yeah, I was very lucky to grow up in hell if you think about it like that. <laughs> well, I agree, you know, because I grew up kind of in a hell too. <laughs> Not, you know, different kinds, but emotional hell. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and it does, they say that um, that you have to go through it in order to be able to, to help other people. You have to be able to feel that and understand where they are in order to bring them to where, you know, you are or where you they hope to be. Um, but, you know, what's really interesting about your story is that it demonstrates that we don't go from A to Z without going through the rest of the alphabet to get there. That often our goals aren't just um, – are you there? I'm here. Okay. Often our goals aren't just – we don't hop from where we are to where we want to be. Often it is a path of things. We see a sign, we see something, we see a synchronicity, whatever it is, and we go for that. And then that takes us to another open door and another open door and another open door till we end up where we feel we have been destined to be, right? Yes. That's exactly how it was yeah. for me. I just... I. When I was 17, I had this dream, and when I woke from the dream, I knew a couple of things, and one thing I knew was that I wasn't just praying and speaking to the universe or to God or whatever you want to call the the energy of the divine, but that the universe could talk to me, and I needed to start listening constantly, and so my whole life became a, a, a persistent, consistent asking of guidance. What do I do now? Where do I go now? And I was receiving the guidance. And so I continued to ask and receive and became divinely directed. And that's really how all my courses were created, was simply me asking for more guidance and getting more answers until I got the answers I needed so I didn't die and I could heal myself. And so I think you described it so very, very beautifully. And it, it was a very long road, actually, to get from where I was to where I am. And it was very hard, but at the same time, there was so much beauty in it, just in the way you described, because those synchronicities made me feel like I was on the right path. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, you know. And I think back to, um, in, in my book, Cliff Edge Road, I, I talk about a lot of synchronicities that brought me to where I am. But, you know, I talk about this one. I had a very difficult relationship but all the synchronicities showed that I needed to be there and I needed to go through that. Um, you know, there was so much validation and verification that I was where I was supposed to be. <laughs> so, um, and, it, and it was the thing that propelled me 
into healing. So there you go. There you go. So um, so what kind of things can we ask for? So, you know, if, if someone is not that um, oriented with, you know, giving up their will to the universe or allowing the universe to work through them, um, what kind of things, how would they approach that? How would they talk to the universe? How would they ask for what they want? Well, in my course, How to Attract Your Soulmate, you can go to the website, howtoattractyoursoulmate.com, learn more about it. In that course, I don't teach people how to download uh, a description of a person from the universe because I feel like that's a much more advanced technique, and yet I wanted everyone to know that it's available to them, and if they can do it, they really should. Uh, what I mm-hmm. teach people to do in a more basic training is just write down what it is that you're you're looking for. But there's so many different questions that we ask in the course. Okay, so what's the other person like? What are you going to be? Who are you going to be in the relationship? And questions like that are really important. So your question is, what what can they be looking for? I would mm-hmm. say go beyond just the physical. Don't just think about what they look like or what things they have, but think about what it feels like when you're with them. What is the experience of being in the relationship like? Is it very deeply romantic and passionate, or is it just really easygoing and peaceful? What are some of the the words that would describe the way it feels when you're together? What kind of an experience do you want to have? How often do you want to see them? Do you want to live with them? Do you want to have kids with them? Is this a lifelong partner that you're looking for, or is this someone that you want to have fun with and play with for a while? What is your intention? And if you don't have a clear intention, then it's hard to create anything. And from a more practical standpoint, how do you know if you found what you're looking for if you don't know what you're looking for? (laughs) So start coming up with some of those pieces and it'll help you to know, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Mm. This is some really, really good, yeah, very, very good questions that, um, you know, to ask ourselves. That's very important, you know. The problem is that, um, and I see this also a lot in the people that um, that are my clients, that they've gotten caught up in the romance of um, this whirlwind of this love bombing and honeymoon um, stage, which is the way narcissistic relationships start. And for many people, they feel like unless they have that in the beginning where they're absolutely intoxicated by this other person that it's not a good relationship and it's not love so Mm. what are your feelings on that i love that question Uh, a lot of times the reason why we have that super intense oh my god i'm in love with you feeling is because that person really pushes our pain buttons they're really perfect to show us what things we need to work on within ourselves because we have so many attraction magnets between us that are based in pain. And we really want to heal those things. We really want to, on a soul level, work through them consciously. We're just thinking about, yay, I met someone I like. Woohoo! And then after the infatuation settles down, which usually takes some somewhere less than a year, for a lot of people it's about three months, and others it's six months. Once that sort of wears down, then you're in the routine of life. Like you used to be before you met them, but now you're in the routine of life with them. 
and you're beginning to see if you like that life or not. And a lot of times you hate it because you find out that once they're not super happy that they are dishonest or they spend a lot of their time doing things that are unproductive or they're mean or they're really selfish or they only think about what they need and they never think about what you need or they want all the attention all the time, which is what a narcissist is, or even worse, maybe they beat you up. And you're thinking, but this is the person I love. And there's still that attachment that was there from the beginning that caused that in-love feeling. And that attachment, that it's like a rope that ties you to them, that's coming from your pain you haven't healed. And if you heal all that stuff, then the attachment isn't there. And then you get into a relationship where the attachment isn't there and the oh-my-God feelings may not be there, but everything is lining up. It's synchronicity. It just feels right. It's it's very different. I would say it's another way to look at it is there's a difference between a craving and a desire. Sometimes when you crave something that's bad for you, it's like it's overwhelming and you've just got to have it. But if you desire something, there's a knowing like your body is communicating to you, I need to have that. That's what I want. And it's not as intense, but it feels right. And when you have that thing, it makes you feel better versus when you you listen to your craving, then you feel bad after. And I think relationships can be very similar. That's a great answer. <laughs> How do you avoid um, if if you're if you're a love junkie, you know, <laughs> if you're if you if you crave that you know initial feeling, how do you get over that need to um, to have that high initially in a relationship? Well, I just want to make it really clear: there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with looking for that and experiencing that, and there's nothing wrong with all the different variations of relationships that we have because we want to experience everything. But at some point, we might get tired of the experience, like, for example, with you, of dating someone that isn't really a harmonious experience, and then you make that decision. You know what? I'm done with that. And that's well, your story really illustrated the first part of it at least, which is once you make that solid decision, you're going to start to look for different people and you're going to start to um, be disciplined in who you're willing to date or what you're willing to accept in a relationship or in another person. But it does go beyond that because think about the person who makes that decision and then they still end up attracting an alcoholic or they still end up dating the same type of person. And that person swore up and down they weren't like that and there's every bit of evidence that they're not that way and then as soon as they get into the relationship boom, you find out they really are. <laughs> and you're thinking, but I swore I'd never do this again. So what do yeah, we do? Well, right? So what do we do? Well, we have to learn how to go into the unconscious mind and erase the part of us that is attracting that against our conscious will. That's literally why I call it the seven steps to reprogramming yourself because it's like we're a computer that's programmed with old thoughts and feelings from the past that's constantly being emitted out to the world and attracting to us something other than what we want. And it's really easy to prove this. If you think about how it makes you feel that that other person is behaving that way that you don't want or that you keep attracting that experience, when you think about how it makes you feel, you're going to find the pain inside of your body. And that pain is where the programming lies. That's the part of you that's attracting the experience. That's how you can find it. So then we need to use yeah. the seven steps and delete it. I mean, erase it. Pull it out and have it not be there again. When you wake up the next day and the next day and a year later, it's still not there. And usually, and I know this might be tough, there's layers. Many layers, sometimes a few layers other times. So it can take someone days, weeks, months, or even years 
to erase all of the layers. But they, they could be like my client Stacy, who met her dream guy, and they just got engaged. I mean, uh, I think it was on New Year's Eve I saw them, and they, she had the big ring on, and she was so happy, and she said, Arno, I met him because of your seven steps, because of your program. I finally erased all that crap and stopped attracting things I didn't want, and I finally attracted him. And that's that's really what I teach people, is how to go in and erase that stuff so you can attract what you want. But before you even get to that point, you ought to create some clarity about what you want. Mm. That's amazing. But And I agree with you with the layers. Um, you're only going to be shown what you can handle at a time. And so sometimes you you may do a lot of work and you may be fine. You may erase those feelings or those um Toxicity, that toxicity, and then you go in along, and then maybe a few years later, something else will pop up because your subconscious is only going to allow you to fit it. Sometimes you can't look at it all at once, so it is in layers, and we also um, store those emotions inside of us. We stack them, you know. Um, it takes time. We, it's stacked over a period of time, and we have to kind of work through that stack, right? It's a great way of describing it. <laughs> well, one of my um, trainers that works for me, he said, you have this pile of stuff from the past, a giant stack of it, and he stacked up a bunch of magazines, all these layers, and then you only look at the top layer over and over again. And what we normally do and then he put a sheet over it. It's just cover it all up. <laughs> Pretend right. it's not there. And then after six months of being in the relationship, it starts coming out. And he said all the other programs out there in the world that said they could erase negative emotions or that they could reprogram the unconscious mind, all they did was teach really well how to cover it up. That They never mm-hmm. showed you how to actually get rid of it forever. It's like if you have a computer mm-hmm. and something pops up on the screen, they're just showing you how to close down the pop-ups. And the problem is that they're going to keep popping up and popping up forever, which means those are the only layers you're ever going to see. But if you go into the hard drive of the computer, go inside your mind and delete them permanently, what happens is you begin to see the layers underneath that you couldn't see before. If, if all your emotional pain and crap from the past is like a big bag of bricks, you're only seeing the bricks on top. And if all you've ever done is learn how to keep closing the bag so that you're not feeling the pain in the moment, but it's still there underneath, then you're never going to see beyond that top layer. But if you actually learn how to take a brick out of the bag of bricks and remove it, then you're going to see the brick underneath finally. And you're going to say, I didn't even remember that happened to me. Or I don't know where this is from, but boy, I'm sure glad I'm going to finally get rid of this pain because it's been there usually most of your life, if not your entire life. Right. So um, you're the inventor of the five-step emotional eraser. Now, when we think of that, when we think of erasing something, we think that it's this quick process. We kind of go in, we take our eraser, we remove it all, and then, boom, (laughs) we're fine. Yeah. But it's, it's more of a process of, you know, we can't just go in and erase it, right? It's a process. Well, the seven steps to reprogramming yourself works on the mind. It works on repeating negative thoughts from the past and all the emotional pain that's connected to it. And on average, it takes about 20 minutes to permanently erase a brick. 
using the seven steps to reprogramming yourself, which is not very long when you consider that these are lifelong issues that you could spend 10 years talking about and it would still be there. The five-step emotional eraser works more on the energetic repeating pattern that's created from past experiences. And in the training, which is, you know, it's quite lengthy, the training, a couple days of training to learn how to look into the past and see anything that happened to you. Even if you don't remember anything now, you're going to learn through my training how to actually remember what happened. And then when you look inside the memory, there's five steps that you go through to undo the pattern that was created there. And if you get really good at it, you can erase a past memory and its repeating pattern in 30 seconds. But then usually it takes you a good five to ten minutes. And it really points to what my these two processes um, are about in many ways, which is just making it really, really fast compared to everything else that's out there. One of my students is a yoga master, and she's won a couple of championships in yoga. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And she said that she does the seven steps to reprogramming yourself by video with her clients. And you know, she'll tell a client, listen, I know that you have anxiety and you want to learn how to do yogic breathing, and we can do that. And we can practice our breathing, and after 20 years, your anxiety will be gone. Or we can erase it right now in 20 minutes with the seven steps, which would you rather do? And that's really what it's about is being able to do it faster because you have thousands of layers. <laughs> so that's what takes a long time. It's not the actual process itself, which can take time, especially if you have a really, really big brick. It could take more than 20 minutes. It could take hours and hours. But what really takes the time is going through all the layers because what you want to do is get to a place where there's nothing that pushes your buttons at all in your whole life, which is amazing mm-hmm. to see someone say, every single area of my life is working now when none of them were working before. I was broke, and my love life was in shambles, and I was sick all the time, and I was, my health was just awful, and I was worried. And, and then all of a sudden, after two years of clearing everything, now I'm doing great. I have my dream job, and I met my dream person, and, and I lost all the weight, and I eat healthy. and it, like Their whole life can change. Because they've been working on all those layers for you know day after day for however many months and years it took for them to change their whole life, and some people don't have that much stuff. So in a, a matter of a few months, they're saying, "Wow, everything's different." And then someone like me, it takes years and years to get through all the layers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, wow, your programs sound magical uh, when you talk about seconds and minutes and less than an hour and things like that. That is just, I know my listeners ears are perking up. They're like, okay, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get rid of it. But you say it is a, it, it's a program where you're an intense program where you're working for several days um, to build these um, skills, right? Yes. Yes. The seven steps to reprogramming yourself is a three day course, which I'm very proud of that I have figured out how to teach it in three days, because honestly, it's a very, very complicated thing to teach how to fix the human mind and to simplify it and allow anyone to understand it after three days is an accomplishment that took me many, many years, more than 15 years to be able to do that. And you can take that three-day course online or in person. In fact, when you sign up for it, you're going to get a ticket to the live course and you're going to get access to the online course. And when you do it online, it's just all right there. It's videos of me teaching it from 2018. So you can just watch it on your phone or on your computer, and you can go through the whole three days in two days if you want. I've had students who were desperate to get rid of their pain from being raped, and they said, I finished the whole thing in two days and erased my rape trauma. 
I can't believe it's gone. I keep trying to bring it back up, and I just I can't find it. It's just I remember what happened, but the pain is gone, and I I keep. It's just weird that it's not there anymore. It's always been there. It was like this thing that made me eat ice cream all the time, and now it's just gone. And I actually just feel better. And I don't. And then that's what I hear from people, and I haven't even met them because they just they bought the course online. They're what they did it on their own at home, and then they come in person and take the course live. And it's a really amazing thing to be in a room full of people who've all decided this is what they want to do, and you're going to be surrounded by this incredible support energy. And people are going to come up at the very beginning of the course and share their testimonials because people will take it repeatedly and we have people who've taken it who want to come back just to help other people understand it because it made such a profound change in their life and so right in the beginning you hear these these real people coming up and sharing their stories you know like a a school teacher sharing that she was angry at her husband after they got divorced for eight years and that she did therapy and she did every program in the world and she went to peru to take ayahuasca because nothing could get rid of this this intense anger that would make the the room empty when she walked in without her saying a word because it was just seeping out of her pores and for it to finally finally be gone and she could co-parent with her ex peacefully was just this massive thing and everyone's watching and they're like oh my god i want that too and so then Mm -hmm. it's really powerful to be there in person and all these these stories i'm telling you they're all on my youtube channel hundreds and hundreds of videos just like deborah's they just mentioned that anyone can go and watch and be inspired to know that this really is possible now that we really are doing this and people are able to release this kind of stuff from the past and my my name is Arno Goran which is a little bit hard to spell G-O-R-A-N at the end uh, my website's totalhealthmasteryusa.com totalhealthmasteryusa.com but I think if you just go to um, howtoattractyoursoulmate.com if that's something you're interested in you can see uh, that program and you can easily click to my YouTube channel right from there or you can go to my website and you can watch a bunch of free videos. I have a whole program called A Guide to Better Relationships that's free and you can just get a bunch of free information and knowledge and if you're ready to do the 7 Steps course, you can just click on that link and read more about that and learn more about that and you could literally sign up and start taking it right now, which I just think is it's such a blessing to make it globally available because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the only way you could learn it from me was to fly all across the world to where I'm at and take the course in person. And now it's literally available to you in your home. Well, it sounds absolutely magical and wonderful. So, um, and divine. <laughs> um, so that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, these kind of things are just divinely given to us um, to help other people. You know, I, yeah. So I wanted to go back a little bit into um, this beginning of a relationship because I know it hangs people up. So do we want to feel intoxicated in the beginning um, or is that something that blocks us from truth? Well, I love the experience of being intoxicated. I mean, it's the best thing in the world. Why would you ever not want to have that um, the only thing is I wouldn't make lifelong promises in that state of mind. I'd recommend that you don't make any promises about the future, that you just enjoy being together and allow it, the relationship to grow and unfold and for you to keep enjoying it. And if five years later you're still incredibly in love with this person and you say, you know, I want to have kids with this person, 
Well, then have kids with them. And you want to tell the whole world that you love each other and have a big party and call it a wedding? Do that, too. Um, but if it's right in the first month and you're over, head over heels, maybe it would be smart just to be happy together for a while and just let yourself be happy without having to promise to love and, and be with that person forever. Because what if, as time goes on, that feeling sort of changes and you realize, oh, this person isn't really a match for me. They're mm-hmm. a match for right now, but not a match forever. And I thought they were a match forever, but I didn't have enough experience or I was just lost in my happy feeling. And so it might be Mm -hmm. smart to just let the experience unfold and be happy in the moment rather than trying to force a future outcome. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's up to every person to trust their intuition about what to do. And if you can still access your intuition, your inner guidance while you're hopelessly high in love, (laughs) then you'll probably still make good (laughs) decisions. And I think it's a farce to say that you can't make a good decision when you're really, really happy or in love with someone. Of course you can. So I, I would just say if you have the pattern or you know that you, like most people, are going to eventually have those in-love feelings become less intense, then maybe you don't make decisions until some time has gone by. And not that you're planning for the feelings to be less intense, because ideally you'll feel that incredibly in love forever, your whole life, mm-hmm. and it'll never go away. Um, but that's not what studies say usually happens. So it's okay to be practical while also being um, idealistic. Mm. Okay, great answer. Uh, yeah, you know, the problem is, you know, I keep thinking, with all this, I keep thinking back to narcissistic relationships, narcissistic abuse relationships. And in these relationships, the goal is to get the victim intoxicated and then pressure them into making a decision. And, um, yes, so, yeah, that's what happens. And so these people aren't given the freedom of a long period of time. They're intoxicated, and then they're promised many things, and then they just take a leap of faith. You know, they just dive right in. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is important to, to pace yourself, to take it slow, to get to know the person. And I always say that um, in the beginning, it's important not to, not to leap into bed right away, but to get to know this person. Because as soon as you have this sexual relationship, sometimes you can't get your mind, you know, unhooked from that attachment. How do you feel about that? Well, narcissistic or abusive relationships is one of my specialties because I grew up in that experience and then I had it myself. And if someone is trying to force you to promise things, you should run quickly because no one should try to force you or pressure you into making any kind of promises. Uh, They should be looking out for your best interests and trying to help you figure out what's best for you just like they would hope that you'd be looking out for their best interests and try to figure out what's best for them. And together you'll encourage and help each other to become the best person that you can be and grow into the vision of the person you dream that you can become. And if they're not doing that, you need to be very careful with that person because they might just be one of those people that wants to suck the life out of you and doesn't care what happens to you. Now, as, as far as sex goes, I don't think it's true that you can't be um, rational and, and be smart and have c- a conscious awareness just because you've made love with someone. 
I think that's a commonly held belief a lot of people have. Some people even have evidence that you can't think clearly once you start having sex, but I think those are limiting beliefs. You know, my mom, my mom used to tell me when I was a kid, once you have sex, you'll be addicted for the rest of your life. You'll be addicted <laughs> to sex, and then women will just be able to, they'll be able to manipulate you and control you. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? <laughs> no, mommy, I'm only seven. <laughs> and that's what she did to me, standing over me, and it frightened the heck out of me. And I learned that that wasn't true. <laughs> Eventually, that was just okay. one of her, one of her beliefs, and that I could choose to believe something else. And I chose mm-hmm. to believe that sex is a way that we get to experience love and affection with, from, with and from another person and also give to them. It's also a way mm-hmm. to become unified with someone and even become unified with the whole universe, that there is a possibility of a spirituality within sexuality, which is rare. I, I, I surveyed people, and only about half the people I surveyed ever had that experience at all. Mm-hmm. But at least half of them did on a rare occasion. So I see it being more like that not something that causes you to suddenly have blinders on. But if you find that that's happening to you, you might want to ask yourself if you want to keep believing that that's what's going to happen because you're creating the experience by believing that that's how it is. And then ask yourself what you want it to be like, how it, how it could be and what your intention is about sex, and then see if it automatically changes just by you changing the intention and deciding what it's going to be for you. Because some people think of sex as being purely a physical thing. And some people think of sex as being something they give to another person. There's a lot of people who think, well, if I give him sex, then he needs to give me this and that. But Mm -hmm. someone else might think that sex is something that you do together and that it's not one person giving to the other at all. And the intention you have about what it is is really going to define quite largely how you experience it and what it's like for you. So maybe think about what do you want it to be like. Make a new intention and see how that plays out. If it doesn't play out exactly as you say, then there's some kind of unconscious programming getting in the way, some kind of fear. Like I had to erase the fear that my mom put in me about sex so that I could actually manifest or create what my intention is for it to be that divine experience. So I would say think really clearly about what you want it to be like to find and and intend what you want it to be. And then if it doesn't show up exactly as you say, look at what there is inside of you from the past that needs to be released so it can be exactly as you say. And, of course, you can change that as you go along. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. I I just love the way you explain that. That makes so much sense to me. Um, (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) the last question I wanted to ask you is – you know, in my opinion, relationships have to be growth oriented because people change throughout time. Um, and so if you're with a partner who refuses to change or refuses to um, uh, allow your transformation, then that relationship cannot exist in a, in a fulfilling way, right? How do you feel about that? I personally, um, I think yes, you're absolutely right. People really want to grow and change. Uh, But I'm I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at people like you. Uh, We are very similar in that we are 
evolvers. We consciously seek out evolution on purpose. We take courses, mm-hmm. we read books, we listen to shows like this, we create shows like this so we can help other people grow and evolve and get that knowledge that they're seeking, those answers they're looking for. And I've dedicated my whole life to sharing these kinds of answers. And so, of course, you and I, we're looking for someone like that in our love life and probably wouldn't even mm-hmm. accept anyone less. I couldn't imagine dating someone that doesn't take responsibility for their feelings and then erase the negative feelings that they have. That's rule number one in relationships. If they don't do that, it's like babysitting because they're going to constantly get upset about something I didn't even do and then tell me it was my fault and then not be responsible for how they feel. And that's going to get old really quick because I'm not going to do that. If they upset me, I'm going to erase my feelings about it and I'm not going to be upset anymore and I'm going to have a new perspective on what they did and say, wow, that was weird how you spilling that in my car made me so angry. I'm not angry anymore, and I'm, I'm not mad, and I've, everything's okay again. And that's the kind of relationship that, to me, is just a basic standard. But most people don't live that way. And so if we look at the whole world, there's a lot of people out there that are not conscious evolvers, that are not trying to grow. And they really ought to match up with someone else who isn't trying to grow. But then doesn't everyone want to evolve? On purpose, don't don't we all want to get educated and take courses? <laughs> so I, yeah, I think I mean, it's okay think, for people think, to be who they are. Right. I think everyone evolves in a way. Well, narcissists don't evolve. <laughs> evolve. Um, involve, well, narcissists don't evolve at all. That's the thing. Um, but I think people, as we go from decade to decade, uh, our, often our perspective changes on things. Um, yeah. you know, so I guess, you know, yes, um, I am, and you are <laughs> always evolving. I mean, I do it every minute of every day. Um, yes. so yeah, so, but everybody changes, but I get what you're saying. That does make sense that, you know, it depends on who you are. It depends on, um, how much you want to grow and change. You know, I've always told people, you know, I'm going to leave you in the dust. If you don't come along with me, you know, as I change and as I learn, you know, I, I'm going to, no matter who you are, I'm going to have to say goodbye because I can't do that. I can't be held down, you know? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, well, this is such a great discussion. <laughs> or no, I love it. <laughs> this is great. I know my Thank listeners you, love it too. Um, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So anyway, um, was there anything else you want to share in the last few minutes of the show? Yeah, um, in my uh, How to Attract Your Soulmate course, howtoattractyoursoulmate.com, one of the things that I ask you to define, and it's actually a workshop. It's a 21-video workshop at home that has a downloadable workbook. So you download the workbook, and then you watch videos one by one, and and it's very exercise-driven. It's only about 90 minutes of me talking, and it's mostly you actually – attracting your soulmate and doing the work. And one of the things that you're going to do in the course is you're going to write down the deal breakers of the relationship. And if for you a deal breaker is that they don't want to learn and grow and evolve, then you write that down and then you know for sure when you meet someone who says, oh, I don't take courses, (laughs) you've got a deal breaker right there and you're going to leave them in the dust in your own words. And I think what people are really wanting is to attract someone that matches them. And so that's why I said, you know, not everyone is, is like us and people should look for people that match up with them. And one of the things I learned when I decided to date, because I never dated, I just manifested. I just, I would tell the universe, here's what I want. and I would meet that person. 
And I never dated because I would always just make a new girlfriend. And so when I decided to date so I could know what that was, I went on over 100 dates in a year, 100 first dates, and a whole bunch of second and, and so on dates after that. And I saw a pattern in myself that I think is common in other people too. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm 1% narcissist. I don't know. But uh, what I saw was that I kept thinking, well, everything about her is great except for this and that, but I could fix that. No, oh, yeah. no, 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 oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you want to find someone who, who matches exactly what you're looking for to begin with. And then I think the other key thing is you want them to build you up and make you better, and you want to do the same for them. You know, I, if I'm dating someone, I don't allow them to say anything negative about themselves. If if she says, mm. honey, do you think I'm fat? I say, honey, you're never allowed to, <laughs> to say that again. I'm sorry, but obviously you're not fat. And you don't need to think that or say that ever again. I want you to think about what it is you really want to create. Now, what do you want to create? Well, I want to create having my ideal body. Okay, now let's just say that together. I have my ideal body. And I will literally train her the way that I train myself. And, of course, I'll ask permission. (laughs) Is it okay if I coach you a little bit? And I'll want her to do the same for me. I'll want her to coach me that Mm -hmm. same way. And I think that is a really beautiful thing. So in in the end of this amazing conversation, thank you, Randy, for having me. I just want to put out there that it is really possible to have that kind of a relationship. You can really be happy with someone without fighting for years and years and years, and you can build each other up, and you can really have what you want. And it it might take work, but it's definitely possible. Okay. Great way to end it. Oh, thank you so much for being my guest, Arnell. This was a really good conversation. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and um, and I wish you, I know you're having great success. Um, stay well and um, enjoy this success. I, I really, really do appreciate what you do. And thank you for sharing it with my listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for Thanks. having me, Take Randy. Care. You're you welcome. Too. Take care. Um, so we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. And you know what? Go to my website, randyfine.com, and I now have a platinum educational series of MP3s that you can download um, about narcissistic abuse, which is what I specialize in. Um, but check it out on my website. Go to the shop. Um, and check out the um, Platinum Educational Series. And I think you will really enjoy them. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.